Thank you for the welcome and, and for the very kind people. It's lovely to be here. I enjoy what I hear and experience. It's lovely. Father's Day. So what do you want your child to actually celebrate in you or about you? For fathers, this is the day that we have to consider that and then become what we want our children to celebrate in us or about us. If I have to celebrate today my father, who is deceased, he's not alive anymore, uh, then I celebrate his absolute passion to introduce people to Jesus. Can't be anything better to celebrate, can it? So what do you want your children to celebrate in you? Become that. I think that's the call for this day, isn't it? Great. So we had training uh, of the World Needs a Father for two full days, and now today we are actually doing the last session. All right. So I'm sorry if you missed it, uh, and, but at least you'll get a piece of this cake today. And we are celebrating uh, or, or talking about that which you see there, the last, actually the third one there. When Father God talked to Jesus at the baptism and mountain of transfiguration, he said the same thing. This is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. And then on the mountain of transfiguration, he added, listen to him. Listen to him is moral authority. So a dad brings moral authority to the home. This is my son's identity. A dad confers identity to other people around him. And then he brings emotional security. Whom I love, the hug of the father. I love my son, whom I love. He brings that emotional security to his children. And obviously to his wife as well. And then the last one, and this is the one that we'll be talking about today. And the dad brings affirmation, encouragement and affirmation, strengthening the good things that you are doing. So, I'm going to run through a number of slides, but um, just in the background. Uh, but let's enjoy what we can learn uh, from the Bible on how to be a good father. So we will derive our lesson today from Paul and his spiritual fathering to the church in Thessalonica. So Thessalonians, if you have your Bible here, chapter 2, we will derive from some of the principles there. It's super important to understand that there is a phase in life for a child where we call the mother phase. That doesn't mean that the father is not important. He's super important. But there are things that mothers can give that father can never give. I'm sorry. You know, breastfeeding, like, for instance, you know, if you're not sure if we can switch roles or not, you know. <laughs> but in any case, so, so the hug of the ma mother. You know, we, we as fathers, we hug to console. But you know what? When they distressed and so on, irrespective of their age, they would like to have their mother, if they fall sick or something like this, to just give mom a call. My son is 38 years old, and he never calls me when he falls sick. He calls mom. You know, he calls me for other stuff. And, and so, but, but this is what happens and should really happen uh, in the ages five, six. And when they strike six, that we call it the father impact years. Then the voice of the father is absolutely essential in creating self, those, what we call the self-worth concept, self-image, confidence, and so on. Six to eight. Uh, and, and so this is super important that we understand how important affirmation is to a child. It is strange that the children who even have a better relationship with mom, that when they do their little cartwheels, what do they say? Look, mommy, look. I'm sorry. It's look, daddy, look. <laughs> is that right? Look, daddy, look. When they cry, they call for mom. But when they do something spectacular in their mind, they call for dad. Look, daddy, look. Because they need that affirmation from dad, and that gives them that strengthening, that confidence in life. I will never forget a situation a couple of years back where I did leadership training and after the leadership, I saw a guy there in the audience and I saw that his whole face just looked depressed. And I was a little bit concerned about him. In my heart, I was praying for this guy and, and shortly after I finished, he was right there uh, uh, at me and, and he said, sir, can you help me please? I said, what can I try and do? He said, sir, I don't know what happened. I was this most confident young man um, in primary school for sure. And then I entered secondary school. And, and even at secondary school, grade eight, 
I was kind of almost the leader of the whole school. I don't know, but everyone just followed me, and I was so confident, and I just exactly knew what to do, and, and I just felt this massive power in me, and, and then I don't know where it disappeared, but I'm now 21 years old, Zimbabwean uh, young man. I'm now 21 years old, and everything just disappeared, and I don't know what happened. So I said, well, well let me try. Run me through your story. And he, and he told his story a little bit. And then he came to 16 years old. And he said, and at 16 years old, my father died. And then he carried on. I said, well, just stop right there. I want you to reflect on when you lost your confidence. And he thought a little while. And then suddenly he grabbed his forehead like this. He said, you don't want to say. I said, yes. You, 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 you really don't mean that? I said, yes. He said, do you... Do you mean that when my father died, it all disappeared? I said, I think yes. Tell me about your dad. And then his whole face lit up. And he said, you know what? I had this phenomenal dad. You know what? I would come home and just his eyes, the way he looked at me, he was so proud of me, man. The way he looked at me just pumped this power into me, man. I just felt I could change the world because of the eyes of my dad looking at me, encouraging me and saying, I believe in you, my son. You're great, my son. And when he put his hand on my shoulder, man, I felt so powerful. And I could change the world because of this feeling. And now that you're talking about that, it all disappeared the day that he died. I said to him, it looks to me that you need a dad. He said, yes. I said, can I be your dad for five minutes? He said, please. I grabbed hold of him, and I spoke to him as a dad should speak to his son, as Father God would speak through a dad to his son. And I told him what he was created for, and I told him what God endowed him with, and I told him what God called him to do. And the more I talked to him, the more he just cried and cried and cried, and then suddenly I felt him relax, and I could feel that strength coming back into his body. And after I finished this talk, I stood back, looked at him, and I said, and now? And he said, oh, my word. It's all back. It's all back. Bring it on. Dad, your voice is super important. Never forget this. But learn to have the voice of a dad, a real, real dad for your son. A father affirms potential. Let's look at the Word of God and, and derive a few things from that. Thessalonians, we see the following. And let me just run through this quickly, then we can uh, spend uh, less time on reading the Bible here. Um, in the first part, he's, he summarizes actually from verse 1 to 6, and he says, did not spring from error. So he says actually what his ministry was not. And very quick on this. God entrusted and approved his ministry. He was not driven by wrong motives, not looking for praise by people, verse 4 and 6, did not intend to trick others and did not use flattery uh, or masks. But then he moves on to where I want to, to uh, pause on. And that is, I was with you as a spiritual father. I was as sincere as young children. Verse 7. Without pretense and sincere. Sacrificially as mother. And although this is Father's Day, can we just hail our mothers also for a moment today? Because when he talks about a mother, he says she would give a life to the children. We shared our lives like a mother. Moms, you are great. Shared our lives. We worked night and day. This is how he sees a mother. Mother is working night and day, sharing her life. Isn't this beautiful? And oh my goodness, I had a phenomenal mom. And I want to hail her today as well. I praise her today for what she has done. But then he comes to the father, and, he's, and then suddenly you, you find different words. The tone of voice changes. Can you hear this? I was as encouraging, let me read this verse 12, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives 
worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we'll pause mostly on this verse, verse 12, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So what he actually says is, is the following. Let's start right at the end of that verse. What is the goal of a spiritual father and should also be the goal of the natural father to get you to live a life worthy of God? Oh man, I wish I could talk the whole day just on this little thing. I want to say to your fathers, our biggest problem in fathering is we don't see. We don't see who we are. We don't see what God intended us to be. We don't see what God wants us to lead our children, our children to. He wants our children, us to lead our children, not for achieving stuff here on earth that they cannot take with him, with them, but to achieve to be leaders in the kingdom of God. Jesus came to bring the kingdom to earth, and he appoints us as kingdom leaders. This is who we are. Me and you, dad, we are kingdom leaders. This is what we are supposed. And that means my goal in my child is that Jesus will be manifested in him. My goal in my child is that he will live a life worthy, not, not to live up to my standard, not to live up to what I have achieved, not to live up with, to the Joneses or whatever, what other people have achieved, but to live up to the worthiness of God. Now, the word used here is that equal weight than the worth of God. Now, that is massive. Equal weight than Christ's grace to live up to that. That is a standard right up there, isn't it? So how low do you dream? Or how high do you dream? That's a good question for this day. We fathers have a goal to be worthy, to lead our children, lead our children and our family to be worthy of God. Wow, that's massive, isn't it? Now, that, that's a whole different frame of thinking than, you know, when my son was born, I just saw this Springbok player. I actually told the medical staff, can you see that right there? It's there, the Springbok, and they couldn't see, but you know, I, I, they were just blind. But in any case, but as, as we progressed in life, I discovered that is very low standard. That is such a low standard to have, your, to have this dream of your child playing for the national team of South Africa. What? Can't, do you have no ambition, sir? It's much more than this. It is worthy of Christ that we want our children to become. And then it also says that if, if we live a life worthy of Christ, there is a reward. Oh, and this is also so beautiful in the same sentence. The reward is this. Devoted life is astounding into his kingdom and glory into his presence and dominion. And I think the best description of this is what this guy writes, to enter into his authoritative presence, to share the splendor of his kingdom and to enter in his eternal radiance. Now, not only one day, now, because the kingdom has come. It is here. We are kingdom people. We have to carry the kingdom in us. Heaven has started long ago. The day that you surrendered your life to Jesus, eternal life started that day. And we're living in this presence, his authoritative presence in the strength of the eternal Father and his glory. Okay, Woo, I get excited when I think about this. But actually, this is not the main emphasis of the, ser of the sermon. The emphasis comes right now. And that is, then he says, on this journey to reach there, encouragement is needed. The spiritual race needs a father, that voice of a father. And that is for the spiritual race, but that's also 
in the natural for children as well. And then I, I just put the Greek words that you believe that the Bible uses different words to express different things. And so the first one is encouraging, urging the hesitant. The father comes alongside and encouraged towards heroic actions. Now, as I told you, when my son was born, believing that he would become a springbok, um, I was very anxious to get to the first race, factual, actual race for him to run at school. So at five years old in the preschool, he came back home and he announced, in three weeks from now, we are going to run a race. Man, I don't know why, but I was pumped. And then I decided, I appointed myself as his manager, personal manager and coach. And every afternoon in the backyard, I would be coaching him. Because, you know, with small children, the problem is they lose attention. Is that right? So when the guy shoots the gun, they look on where are the birds that the guy is shooting at. And then they start to run and wave to mommy and grandmother. And I didn't want him to do this. So I wanted him to really focus at the start. Because I knew that if he would start well, for sure he would outrun the rest. Because he's my son, and he's a springbok. And so, um, so I taught him in the backyard, and, and I remember those little fat little arms. I, I would say to him, go on, uh, okay, yeah, on this knee, and ready, set, the roll, ready, set, go, think. And, and then he went, ready, set. And then he would just go up like this. No, 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 my son, lean forward. You must lean, because it's momentum. Lean forward. And he didn't know anything initially on what this would mean. And he goes, lean, lean into it, so that when the gun goes off, you're in momentum, and there you go. And so every afternoon, come on, George, ready, set, go. Shut. No, 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 George, wait, come on, focus, my friend. You know, you get the picture. You get the picture. Okay, so as we approach the race, I don't know why, but my, my um, sleep get, got less. And the last night before we had the race, I didn't have a good night. Uh, you know, uh, visualizing what would happen the next day. Any case, so I decided strategy is very important. Mom would stand at the end, and um, the children other children on the side encouraging him to run and I will be right there at the start because if he would start well he would finish while I was 100% sure he had it in him anyways so uh, then everything got ready and and then ready and they all went down and and when I said set lean Josh lean you know last coaching I was three meters behind him in his same lane just behind him to make sure that when the gun goes off then he would not sit still. He would go, okay? Not look anywhere, but focus. Now, the psychologists tell you that if you're in a condition of high stress, that you sometimes cannot remember what happened. <laughs> and all I know is this, there's a space of time that I completely missed. I don't know what happened. All that I know, when the gun went off, from the, when the gun went off, for a few seconds, I can't remember anything that happened. But what I discovered after a while is I was down his lane, about 30 meters down the lane, on my knees, hitting the floor. And this is how I came back to consciousness, is I could hear my own voice echoing from the school. Georgia! 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 And suddenly, I regained my consciousness with my arms in the air, and the whole community, I'm the pastor of the church, you remember, and church members laughing at me. It was the silliest moment of my life. I just walked off behind the crowd to my car. Now I'm standing at the car. My first daughter came afterwards. She was the first to come to the car. She said, Daddy, what happened with you? I said, we don't talk about this. We don't talk about this. The next one, she didn't notice that. George obviously didn't see anything. My wife, she came just with this little smirk on her face. Just for record purposes, George did win the race, okay? But anyway, so now, now we're in the car. 
and we're driving. And my first daughter, she always wants to talk about stuff. I don't know why. But any, Dad, can we just talk about this? No, we are not talking about this, okay? Silence. I need to reflect. Okay. As we're driving down Merriman Road, that's the name of the road we were in, something amazing happened. God opened the windows of heaven for me right in front through the windscreen. I could see this. And there was a guy there with a massive beard. And he was shouting at me, Come on, Cassie! Come on! And I so clearly knew that's Abraham. And then there was this enthusiastic guy. He just jumped up and down, Come on, Cassie, go! And his name was Daniel. And there was another guy, come on, Cassie, yes, Moses. And they were all there, shouting at me, come on, man, don't give up. It was the most encouraging moment of my life. Heavens are open, the cloud of witnesses are there, and I'm running a race. And they're shouting, making a fool of themselves. To encourage me to go. I want to give that to. Where's the guy that stood up earlier? To you as well. Don't ever forget it. And as I came into my study. I have about 2,000 books. And one after the other author. Just saying. Come on. Don't give up. Don't give up. That's the encouragement of a father. And I want to ask you this morning dad. Are you this encourager? For your wife first. For your wife first. And then for your kids. And then for your spiritual children. Are you this encourager? Do you bring this energy into this house when you gather as a family? Yeah. Are you this encourager? Because you represent the living God. And this is what Paul says. The job of a father is to encourage. Come alongside and encourage towards Heroic deeds. And then the second word that he uses is this comforting. Comforting, uh, encouraging the faint-hearted to help him up with compassion after failure. Because failure is part of life. We all fall some or other time. And the people around us, they fall. And then they need that dad to just be there and pick them up. And, and so many dads make a massive mistake there. That when your son makes or daughter makes a mistake, then then. You, you, on top of that mistake, you scold them for it. Or you failed the test, eh? Is that what happened? Hmm? Really? You want to make it diffi more difficult for them? You want to jump on them after life has dealt them a blow already? Is that the way to do it, Dad? Can you not be the one to help them up and carry them and encourage them? And I want you to look at the next video and remember this forever. This happened in the Barcelona Olympic Games in 1992. There was a guy called Derek Redmond. He was a great possibility of meddling at least, if not winning the race. Look what happened then at that day. Olympic Games, most important race ever in his life. Prepared for that his whole life. That was his dream. And he wanted to fulfill this. And he had a great opportunity to medal at least. Good start. Hamstring, and he fell to the ground. When I am down, and oh, my soul so weary. When troubles come, and my heart burdened be, then I am still and wait here in 
after a short moment, he decided, I worked for this my life. I simply have to continue in whatever way. There are many of you hobbling through life like this right now. Suddenly a man broke through the security, came alongside him. This one, this guy was his own dad, helping him, consoling him, and helping him through this most painful time in his life. We're going to finish together, my son. Dad, this is your job. Father and son continued. Just before the finish line, he allowed him to finish. One of the most touching moments ever in the Olympic Games. Dad, this is your job. Again, for your wife first. For your wife first. And then for your children as well. Why are the dads so weak nowadays? Why are we? Are we not supposed to be the strong ones? For the sake of the others. Not for us, but for the sake of the others. This is time that men would raise up. Not because of their own ego and masculinity and all that nonsense. But because a man is called to be the head of the home. And Jesus is super clear on this. The head of the home is the first servant in the house. That is leadership. That is what we've got to raise up for. To be the first leaders in the house. To pick up those who fall. Not only in the house, but surrounding environment as well. Because we have communities without fathers. And nowadays fathers in South Africa are called because only 33 to 34% of our children do have their biological fathers with them in this nation. Only 33 to 34%. Do you know that? Statistically, the most fatherless nation in the world. The fathers better rise up to not only be great fathers for their own family, but to be great fathers for the whole community. Everywhere they are looking for a father. Number three, Paul says, I was comforting, comforting um, them. Oh, sorry, that was a bit quick. There we go. Urging. Urging, urging them to continue. Paul says in Galatians 4 verse uh, 19, he says, with tears, I was urging you so that Christ may be manifested in your life. So that passion with which a father lives his life is just so important to come alongside with instruction and insight and passion and to help people to continue and finish this race. Super important the responsibility of a father. You can do it. That's why. Okay. And then important also when he continues or when we read this passage that he says, I have given my life to you. I've given my life to you. Outside that encouragement of a father, the most important thing is obviously your example. Albert Schweitzer said, example is not a part of training. Example is training. Dads, uh, can we not become the children of God the Father that we want our children to become? Can we not become the sons of God the Father that we want 
our children to become. Exemplary life. Follow me as I follow Christ, Paul says. And every single father should say this to his child. I don't know what happened that day. My son was about six years old. He was sitting watching TV. And I got inspired by something I can't remember. And I just walked up to my son. And I said, George, do you want to be a great man one day? And he was pretty shocked with his dad just out of the blue asking this question. And he said, Dad, that sounds good. The answer is yes. Do you want to be a great husband today? One of the best, loving his wife. And he said, yes. And I said, George, watch me. I'll show you how. And I walked off. And as I left the room, I thought, what did I do? (laughs) Because now he's going to watch me for the rest of my life. And especially how I'm a husband to my wife. A dad to his mother. Is that right? But I, wouldn't, I will never forget that because that, for my, I think it was the Holy Spirit just doing something to me. And for the rest of my life, I just know that his eyes are on me. And I want to set that example that he should become. Our children become who we are. So do they ever see us setting that example to them that we, that we want them to become? They become who we are. Friends, I want to take you now to practical applications of affirmation. Sorry, this clicker is not great at this stage. If you can be just wide awake at the back and follow me as I go along. I want to share a few things, practical things uh, from our training. It won't be long, but super essential things in affirmation. Number one is affirmation is absolutely essential. Let's look on a great way on how to do this. You can call it indoctrination, you can call it brainwash, you can call it whatever you like to call it, but I can tell you this, that when you were small and young and your father did that to you, then you would probably not have the problems that you have right now. Because when you fall, you will get up. The job of a father, how brilliant is this? To brainwash the child through the power of the Holy Spirit and the resurrection power of Christ, we will always get up. From the grave, always. The next guy is actually even better. It's a very short one, but let's play that one. The banana is almost bigger than him. See, instead of walking into the day like that, we walk into the day like government is bad, ESCOM is worse, I can do nothing. (laughs) And we brainwash ourselves to think like that. Isn't that what we're doing? And we talk about that. We never start a day like this. I'm smart, I'm blessed, I could do anything. I start every single day of my life by just getting out of bed and pausing and think. The creator of the universe, the almighty God, bends down, looks at me, and says, I am your father. I care. 
You understand? Fathers, you are the ones to portray God to your sons and your daughters. Affirmation is a much stronger educational principle than correction. We achieve much more through affirmation than through correction. And I saw this in my own children as well. I started off badly by correcting the first one too much. And then the last one uh, almost never got, I think she got one spanking. Um, and, and she's the best disciplined. Because of the focus on what you are doing right. We always say to the dad, you've got to say six times yes before you say one time no. Yes, my son. Well done, my son. This is great, my son. You're so brilliant, my son. Thank you so much. Man, I'm so proud of you. Can you just please change this to this? But not, no, don't do it. No. Are you crazy? You know, not six times no. And then occasionally, yes, when, he's, when it is his birthday. No. All the time, that affirmation. And then occasionally the correction. And then we correct them in all the facets of their lives that are important. Spiritual affirmation, emotional, social affirmation, physical affirmation. And, and let me just run through a few practical things related to that before I close. Uh, next slide. And not that slide, the other slide. Okay. Uh, how to affirm? Affirm according to the needs of the season. Then affirm according to his or her gifts or character or unique style. Make sure that you know this. And therefore, all parents should know the style of your child. This is the disc analysis. There are many others, Myers-Briggs, etc., Enneagram, and so on. But make sure that you know exactly the difference between your children because you never affirm one child the same as another. One child, you say, only you can do it. But if you say this to the wrong one, you mess up. Another one you say, and this is my son, he's super analytical, he's an auditor now. For, you, for him, you always must give five good reasons, five possible opposite reasons, and then a conclusion of three possibilities of which he can help you to choose. That's a different kind of affirmation, you understand. The other one you just say, oh man, you inspire us so much. That is the high eye, which they call on the, on the disc canal. The other one, you know, you always carry peace into the family. You're like the glue of... You've got to understand the way to affirm your children. And then very important, Ken Blanchard in his book, One Minute Manager. There is a specific way to affirm. High fives are terrible. Never do high fives in your life. We got it from America, send it back to America. Because in high five, you never connect with someone. You only do high five when you celebrate sport, other sport of other people, not of your son. <laughs> but when your son or your daughter does something well, this is how you do it. You immediately do it. So you see them do it. You walk after them and say, my son, come here. You know, I saw the most beautiful thing in a long time. What was that, dad? No, I saw you putting your arm around your sister as you got up from the table. This is just so beautiful. You know, you're helping to bring heaven home, my son. And then, so you're very specific on what he did, what you affirm him on. And then, this is the genius of the book. You pause for a moment, you say, Oh, it feels so good to be your dad. I'm so proud of you, my son. Can you imagine when you were small, your dad would do that with you? You would never forget it. Never. It feels so good to be your dad. Thank you, my son. Thank you, my son. Thank you, my son. Keep on doing it because you make our place a better place. That's the way to do it. And can I say, here are a few fathers. I can feel it. I can sense it. Here are a few fathers. You know what? Because of, and I could analyze that because of particular reasons, you just cannot hug your son. You've never done it. I'm talking in America, 550 men at a camp. And this guy that introduced me said, yesterday was the best day of my life. For the first time in his life, my dad said, he loves me. He is 89 years old, I'm 56. Dad, dad, come on. Throw off that shell, that hard shell on you. Caused by life maybe. Throw it off. Your son, irrespective of his age, he needs that bear hug from the dad. Come here, buddy. 
I love you so much. You're so precious to me. This is the day that your son needs to hear this from you. This day. Not tomorrow. Today. Give it to your son. And I'm talking especially with the older generation, my age generation, because we didn't grow up like that, remember? We grew up as the stiff hand. Congratulations, you've done well. <laughs> we can do better. So what to affirm? Affirm them according to their season. Affirm them according to their style. And then lastly, and then we close with a little um, song, actually, or a poem. We believe that there are two things that are very important for boys and girls to grow up. The first, a rite of passage at about 12, 13 years, 12 for girls, 13 for boys, where you help them to understand they've finished with the stuff of a child. They now grow into the team age years or group adventure years, I prefer to call it. So they will, you will never talk to them, down to them, like you talk to a child. It would be much more closer to eye level. And you will discuss with them and consider with them and decide with them and help them from outside external locus of control to internal locus of control that they will make great decisions and keep to their decisions. And you will help because you're their coach, their life coach for them. It's a great ceremony that you can have. And then at uh, 21 years old, we have a second ceremony for, for, for boys that grow into, into adult men. So, 20, sorry, 21 years old. And I won't bother you with the detail of the ceremony now. You can ask uh, about it or read my book about it if you want to. Let me just close with two stories and then with an encouraging poem. So shortly before my son, uh, son's 21st birthday, he was playing in the United States. He played with a tennis scholarship at the university. And I called him and I said, George, George, um, you are becoming an adult man in six months from now. What do you want to be when you're an adult man? He said, Dad, this is interesting that you're asking this question. Because just lately, this last three weeks, I'm talking to Jesus about this. And I'm asking him, Jesus, just tell me, what do you want me to be when I'm an adult man? And he says, Dad, I don't know if it makes any sense. I'm still figuring out. But the word that comes to me all the time is warrior, warrior, warrior. I say, George, don't even think about it anymore. Embrace that word, warrior. I love it. Warrior in the kingdom of God, this is what you got to be, George. Warrior in the kingdom. And as I put the phone down, I knew exactly what to do. I went to an old antique shop and I bought him a sword from the 17th century. <laughs> and I kept it and he didn't know it. So he came back, he had his birthday party, and then I arranged for the boardroom of the university. And we were men, only men plus mom. Uh, one guy from 10 to 20 years old, 20 to 30, 30 to 40, up to 80 years old, representing a decade in life. And each of them giving him advice between 30 and 40, this is important, 40 and 50, this is important, and so on. With a little symbol, we blessed him, we prayed for him, prophetic words. I had the cross there, we had him kneel there, we blessed him, prayed, anointed him. And while he was on his knees, I pulled out the sword. And I knighted him into manhood. Now I knight you, warrior, into manhood, my son. He stood up. This is not a cultural thing. No one has ever done it as far as I know in South Africa up to that point. So this is quite a few years back. And uh, I knighted him into manhood. And as he stood up, I gave him that little bear hug, that big bear hug. And I said to him, George, welcome him to manhood, my son. You're not a boy anymore. You will never think like a boy. You will think like a man. From now on, my son, welcome into manhood. Big hug, all congratulate, and there he goes. Didn't know what he would do about this, so he took the sword and he mounted it immediately on his wall in his room. Next day, a friend of him came. He was not at the ceremony, and he said, what is that? He told him the story, and the guy started to cry. I wish my dad would welcome me into manhood because I have the body of a man but the soul of a boy. Guys, I was teaching in America, 45 men, right in front of me, the biggest guy I've ever seen in my life. Arms like this, legs like all muscle, the biggest guy. As I'm telling the story that I just told you now, the star guy started to cry. 
and he just shook by crying. And at the end of the story, he couldn't keep it in anymore. And he jumped up. And he said, look at me. Can you see I've got a body of a man? And all of us go, yeah, we've seen it when you entered the room. I've got the body of a man, but the soul of a boy. Because I grew up as an orphan. I never had the privilege of a dad calling me into manhood. So now I'm 45, but I'm still a boy inside. And South Africa is filled with boys, with the bodies of men. Why? Because their dad never took him through the rite of passage, through that calling, through that God call, God's call on their lives to invite them into manhood. And we've done the ceremony from Mexico to Indonesia, from Russia to South Africa, in thousands of in hundreds of countries with thousands of people. Because unless you step into manhood with the soul of a man, you will not be a leader, like Chris Vallotton says. Because of not being called into that, we are players instead of leaders, living for pleasure instead of purpose. Dad. Call your son into manhood when he is 21 or after that now. Call him into that and you'll see what God will do in his life. We need real men. We need real leaders. We need people that will make decisions and keep to their decisions. Take responsibility and set an example for the rest of society. And I hope you step up today to be that. Let's close with this poem. It's an amazing song, actually. But let's just close by reading this. Can you help me uh, on this? Yeah, there we go. Uh, just one slide back. There we go. He climbs on my lap for a good night hug. He calls me dad and I call him bud. With his faded old pillow and a bear named Pooh, he snuggles up close and says, I want to be like you. I tug him in bed and kiss him goodnight, tripping over the toys as I turn out the light. And I whisper a prayer that someday he'll see he's got a father in God because he's seen Jesus in me. Lord, I want to be just like you because he wants to be just like me. I want to be a holy example for his innocent eyes to see. Help me be a living Bible, Lord, that my little boy can read. I want to be just like you, because he wants to be like me. Let us pray. Lord, I pray for all the fathers here. I now call all the fathers here into the manhood, the fatherhood that God intended. Lord, we shrug off this boyish thinking. We shrug off, shrug off this boyish behavior. We shrug, shrug off this boyish attitude. We will step into the leadership that you appointed us to be. Just like Jesus. The servant of all. The servant of all. We will be that. And through our example... Encourage everyone to get up those that have fallen, to stay the course that those, to those that run the course, to finish the race to those that are close to finishing the race. Lord, make us the fathers that you intended us to be and let this world be shaken by a new life, a new life that we call heaven on earth. The life of the kingdom, not one day when we die, but the kingdom now and here. This dominion, this presence, this authority of the living God with us now and forever. Thank you, Lord. We accept this in faith. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you, Dave. Thank you so much, Kasi. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for what you've brought amongst us. And, uh, wow, hey? 
I don't think we're going to just leave it there. I feel like we've got to step into something today. I feel like we've got to step in, and this is not just for, for men. This is for right across the board. If, you, if you've had a yearning in your heart for a, a shaking off of the debris and the wounding and the scars that have been on your life because of inadequate fathering, you carry what we call in, 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 our, in our healing journeys a, a father wound. There's been stuff that's held you back from becoming who you know you could have been and God wants you still to be but that that wound sits on you I want us to I want us to pray for your freedom from that today there's not a time for us to just carry on go home the same way as we as we came this last week I was, I was meditating on Jeremiah he talks about his incurable wound some some of us sit with stuff that's been on us for years years decades and it doesn't let us go and God wants us to be brave and rise above it and, and yeah, he's, he's fathering affirmation like he spoke over Jesus. He wants to speak over us. I believe this is the day that he wants, he wants to invite people to step out and say, I want to be refathered by God. I want to be refathered. I want to hear his word. Is that you? Would you stand for me? No matter what the history is. And, we, and by standing, you're not insulting anybody. You're just standing for yourself now. For your purpose in God. Don't worry about it. Someone might be offended. Your father might be right there. Or people that have, have been part of the wounding process in your life might be around you. Don't worry about that. This is not about trying to protect somebody else. This is about standing for your future. Your destiny in God. Rising above the stuff that's kept you back. I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. I'm going to ask you to actually leave your seat and come forward. I want you to step into a new direction, into a new space. I want you to just come and stand up front here. It's like you've got to leave where you've been. You've got to, you've got to physically say this because as you do that, you're, you're directing your soul. Soul, step forward. Get out of that place where you've been locked in your pain, locked in your, your stunted growth, locked in the scars and the wounds of your history. I want you to step forward and say, Lord, I want to be this new person. Spirit, we welcome your presence in this place. You're the one that brings healing, restoration. You heal us in the deepest, deepest places. Lord, you know. You know. It's not just for these men, it's for women as well. Girls, you've, some of you have not heard the affirmation of a father's love and appreciation for who you are and who you can be. He wants to speak that over you this, this morning. God wants to do a fresh thing in your life. I believe God wants to deliver people today. This is a day of deliverance. He wants to deliver us from all that has held us back in inadequacy and fear and preoccupation with our negativity and brokenness. This is a day we've got to shake off the offenses that we've allowed to rule us like idols. Church, went to the rest just reach out and pray. Let's just pray for these people. Would you do that right now? Come, Holy Spirit, would you come and bring the revelation? It comes, it comes by the Spirit of God, a revelation of the Father's love and His truth. And right, we want, to, we want to pull down the tyranny of every lie that you have leaned into, the lies that speak of your inadequacy, the lies that speak of, of you being a, a person that will always be as you've always been you will never amount to more than what you are. The lies that have filtered into your life of scarcity, you'll always be a little bit less than the others and you'll always have a shortfall. And God says the gospel comes that you might have life in abundance. That's the day we pull down every lie, every deceitful word of the evil one. We break that today. Now, Father, I pray for the spirit of fathering to come on all of us in this room right now. If you'd like to, and I'm talking to those that are seated now around the back here. If you're seated, you know you've heard something today. It's calling you out to be a father to others, to rise up in the responsibility to carry the heart of the Father, the Heavenly Father, and impart that to others. I want you to stand for me right now. If, you, if you're seated right there and you feel like this is the moment, I cannot just live for myself. I want to rise up and be a father to others. Would you, would you stand for me if you're seated? 
I want to pray for God to give you fresh revelation, a spirit of revelation that you'll be able to hear the Father's heart and, and carry that through to others. That's what I want to pray for you. So would you stand if, you, if you'd like to be a carrier of the heart of God into the lives of people. Shake off passivity. We just bind away from you this morning. Passivity, a spectator mentality, a consumer thinking. We break that off. You haven't come to be fed today. You've come to be changed and challenged by the voice of the Father. So we, would you put your hands in front of you? I want to pray that God will right now, this very moment, release to you a new adventurousness in your fathering of others. That no longer will you just be a timid recipient and a passive spectator, but you will become engaged in the process of, of seeing what the Father sees when He looks out at other people and speaking His love and His truth, His, 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 His confidence, His encouragement. Would you just release that to these people now in Jesus' name, Lord? Would you release it right now? A fathering spirit. A fathering spirit. A fathering spirit. Release it to them, Lord, right now. If you're standing there right now, why don't you take a step of faith? I want you to come and stand in front of these people that are standing here and just begin to speak out. Would you do that right now if you're standing wherever you are? Just take a step of faith. You may not know what you're going to say, but you don't need to know right now. You only need to know when you need to bring it. So come and put yourself in a place where you can bring a word and see what God will do. Bring a word, bring an action, bring a dream, bring a revelation, bring a vision. Would you do that right now? Come and stand in front of them. Don't stand behind them. They need to, they need to hear you. Don't speak behind their backs. Come and speak to their faces. Speak into their ears. Speak that they can catch it. Come and stand in front of them. That's it. Let me show you. Billy, just push through. Just push through. Come, let's, let's bring it. Let's see what the Lord's going to do. Come, we've got many more people here. If you're needing to receive from the Lord, put your hands out in front of you. And these fathers that are rising up, fathers and mothers that are carrying a fathering spirit, would come forward. And then we just come and begin to speak over you. Speak over this one and speak over that one and just move along the line as the Lord would give you words to them. Just see what He's going to do. This is a day of healing, a day of deliverance. We're going to walk out of this place lighter than we've ever felt before. The heaviness that you carried with you that's been on you for weeks and weeks, God wants to lift it off you to say, in the name of Jesus. He comes as a captives free. You've, he sets you free from an orphan spirit this day. You're not alone. He delivers you from an orphan spirit this day. You'll never walk alone, says the Lord. You'll never walk alone. I want to pray especially for anyone who's caught in, in sexual confusion, in sexual bondage. We break that off you this day and we release you to a new confidence that the intimacies of God's plan for you would be so clean and pure and lovely and pleasing unto the Lord. But you don't have to be confused and condemned this day. God will set you free and forgive you. If you've been coming for prayer, just stay in that place waiting on the Lord. Don't be in a hurry. Let's, take, let's just take some time unhurried to wait. And church, if you just see it out there, why don't you just keep praying, interceding for the Lord to move in the hearts of these people. This is deep surgery taking place in this place. There's some very, very significant deliverances taking place here. Words of life are being spoken. Words that will change the direction, not only of their lives, but of generations to come. Bless what you're doing, Lord. We bless your work. Bless your work. We bless you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. It's a special, special moment. Special, special moment. surgery is still working here. His spirit is, is building into people's lives. God's doing a special, special thing in the lives of many, many people. Deep, deep work. 
Thank you, Lord, for your healing. Thank you for your healing, your restoration. It's underway. It's underway. Thank you, Lord. Bless what you're doing. 